0: Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits. At the big ball, East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing. boys. Hunter Perea
1: lays it up. 1.4. Pereira
0: hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. spotting for three. The place is gonna erupt. Oh, Deuce Bello! He's gonna make Sports Center with an incredible Jarvis Jones, a game winner, got it. Ball game! East Tennessee State's gonna leave on another. They got game. him! If he catches it, it's over. Ball game! Touchdown Jawan one Stinson, 25 yards. J.J. German for the win! He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks!
1: have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick.
2: To my What's your name, man? I told you
1: it about- doesn't
3: matter what
2: your name is! You're handsome, you have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent.
1: It's Sandos in the sidekick
0: on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Oh, baby. Good Monday. Jay Sandoz, Mike Gallagher, and we are dressed for a fight in Segment 3. We'll tell you about it in a second. Mike Gallagher is so impressed with the win over West Carolina. He's wearing purple today. That's where he stands. <laughs> That's where he's at. Wow. That's how fired up he is. Wow. I'm already fired up for Segment 3. Let me tell you first, we're obviously going to recap ETSU Men's Basketball, regular championship, come from behind, winning against West Carolina. We're also going to talk ETSU chat, women's basketball. The second segment, we will break down, not a full breakdown, because that's going to be Wednesday. The brackets will just tell you the seeding and all that, run through it very quickly when we get to the men's and women's segment. We will do a thorough breakdown of the tournament on Wednesday, along with maybe some bold predictions, uh, and a very special... My suggestion, believe it or not, Pros versus Jays Wednesday.
3: That's going to be a fun show. I think we do a segment on men's tournament, women's tournament, that Pros versus Jays and Bold Predictions. Absolutely. And that's going to be a great show. Yeah, I'm excited for all these shows.
0: So the last segment today, we're going to do Bold Predictions uh, recap, which weren't bad yeah. for both of us, yeah. but segment three is going to be, the gloves are going to come off, Mike Gallagher and myself are going to talk about best regular season, because there's a lot of postseason conference tournament. There's a couple NCAA tournament wins, uh, not just the Arizona game. People, I think, forget 67-68 when the Bucks went to the Sweet 16. So there's a lot of things we could talk about later uh, in segment three. We're going to talk about where does that win stack up regular season. Again, this is just fine. There's no right answer, no wrong answer, but we are going to defend our answers one way or another, and we will do that in segment three. That yeah. being said, let's
3: yeah. – That all started, by the way. I just want to say, I texted you after the game while I was on the bus – Coming back from women's basketball with my mouth just jaw on the floor watching this comeback on the stats. And I texted you, Is this the greatest regular season win in ETSU men's basketball history? And instantly, it was like you were expecting the text, waiting for it, had a response already typed out. You're like, No, not even close. That's ridiculous. I just, but, so I was but, like, All right, I, well, I, we got to talk, <laughs> <We gotta laughs> no. talk about this
0: now. We got to talk about this. Then you said top five, and I was like, ah, Yeah, I mean, you could probably make it up. But the, 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 again, this was your New Year's resolution I gave you. Calm it down. Take a breath. Like well, you're I, ha- I have for two months, and
3: you've been the guy that's gone over the top hyperbole. So now that's fair. I that is am fair. coming back with a vengeance.
0: That's, that, okay, that's fair. All right. Well, let's talk about the game yeah. that got us okay. there. Okay. Okay. ETSU versus Western Carolina, and in the regular season, and ETSU got off to a quick start. It was twenty to eight, and then all of a sudden, into the first half came, and really about the last ten minutes of the first, I think it was nine minutes and forty seconds to be exact. Western Carolina goes on a thirty. No, a 24-6 run. And ETSU is exactly where they've always been, Mike. Down at half, having to come back. But then, it wasn't just that. It was the fact that Western Carolina kept answering the bell and ended up leading with a couple minutes to go with a pretty healthy margin, and then ETSU able to come back and pick up the win on the back of Patrick Good.
3: And it really was all about that man. Pat
1: has an, an undeniable belief in himself as a player, and he's not afraid to take sh- to, to take big shots and make them. There's a difference between taking them and making them, and he made them. I, I, I don't really, I don't have any expert analysis on that. I, I can't tell you that. Yeah, we drew up a bunch of good plays because I'm not. I don't think that's the case. I think it was the same plays we were running in the first half. We just started making them, and then he just became unconscious that's coach Forbes on Pat here's Pat himself
2: first to, to, to talk about my laps I've always seen other people get uh, stormed on the court and stuff like that I've always said if I ever get in that situation I'm gonna take laps and nobody's gonna catch me obviously they ended up catching me and I was kind of at the bottom of the pile so I, I kind of lost breath for a little bit but um, just to be able to, to share uh, this with everybody not just my family but Johnson City uh, but most importantly my family they've they've seen me mature uh, from a young man into a man um, obviously having the hip surgery obviously going through um quote-unquote a shooting slump and stuff like that but I know my family will always have my back and, and just to just to have them here obviously my dad and brother they're they're playing a regional game and I, I know I know they wish that they were here but um just to be able to do that in front of my family in front of my fa- fans friends everybody like that is just Something that I'll never forget. Of course, one of the things that makes it so special, the fact that Patrick Hood is a local product
3: back home and doing great things for the box. And this is about his time in Johnson City and what it means as a really local hero and icon to bring everything full circle in his time in Johnson City.
2: Being from Johnson City and, and, and seeing ETSU play whenever I was, a, I was a younger kid, obviously when Coach Forbes and them got here, I went to App State. Things didn't click from the beginning and to to come back home and to have coach Forbes and the coaching staff believe in me being here for three years red shirt and maturing uh work working my tail off in the weight room for the seniors the guys who came through it it's just a lot of stuff that goes into effect right there and and to be able to produce and know that my hard work has paid off our hard work has paid off for the season it's just unbelievable and I'm speechless right now
0: how apropos was it that the ball that got deflected away after the block by Tisdale was picked up by Pat Good and did those laps. Now when he did the lap I have to say this. In theory it's a brilliant plan by him. Let's do laps and not get caught. <laughs> in reality there's 15 to 20 people that are chasing you in a very <laughs> con- an in a confined space. Yeah. They're going to track you down. You're going to be dogpiled. You deserve to be dogpiled. It's going to happen. And think about as a kid in the driveway 5 a.m. legendary stories of him getting shots up with his dad. Everything that goes into that is probably in his mind for, hey, this shot's for a conference championship or this shot is for a meaningful shot. Like kids do. and Like everybody. And he was able to do it in front of his hometown fans, in front of a a team in a building in a community where he had sat and watched other guys hit those shots. And to be able to do that after especially starting – 1 for 6 from the floor, 0 oh for 4 from 3 to finish what he did, to literally put the Bucks on his back to win the game. And again, Tisdale makes arguably the best play again from the defensive side. Nothing new, right? So it's his third game-winning stop for Tisdale, but Pat Good, the story of that, and for him to get the ball in his hands, to me, that was the best Ending you could have after the block shot and give Bo Hodges credit because instead of trying to grab the basketball, he just kind of swats at it near mid court and then really good runs into Halverson and another local kid. Uh, Halverson did what I would do when I didn't get the ball, which is oversell something to see if you could just beg a referee to make a call with one second to go. They didn't, but I mean, what else you're supposed to do? And good be able to take one dribble and I thought maybe he picked up the dribble and ran a little quickly. But I don't think anybody was going to stop the game at that point in time because nobody was going to catch him or foul him or anything. So, uh, it it was unbelievable. Seventeen points, the last four oh eight for Pat Good, and a storybook ending for the regular season for this year for him with still more games to play in Freedom Hall.
3: And Trey Boyd talked about it in the post game of that Wofford game with you that this was like a storybook, and if they could seal. The regular season title on their home floor, cut down the nets on their home floor with the seniors. That would be a storybook. I don't think anybody could have foretold and seen into the future to see just how much of a storybook it would be with the local product, the guy that's been around, left, came back, has such a heart and passion for this area, and like so many of these uh, ETSC men's basketball players this year, is just such a good dude, and you feel so good for him, and really has grown up before, as he mentioned. Fans' eyes, coaches' eyes, teammates' eyes, but his family's eyes as well. Do I have this right? Seven threes in the last eight minutes? Uh,
2: I think it was seven
3: threes in the last eight minutes. To me, one of the best shooting performances in a period of time that I've ever seen.
0: His his threes didn't actually start until after the technical foul, so I think it was like 726 or whatever, It It's like right after the technical foul, I think he hit the first three.
3: We don't really need to break down the game because it's just one of those where, and you'll hear from Coach Forbes in a second, that it's kind of impossible to break down. It's just like, I'm not really sure there were a lot of X's and O's that went into Patrick Good just losing his mind and completely blacking out for eight minutes and leading the Bucks from behind, but what – did you think the turning point was was it the technical foul and the fact that from all accounts that at least I heard that the referees were just on a different kind of level of bad that day
0: or what did you think the
3: turning point was
0: I, I think when the shot started to drop I I think but was there something that caused that no I know because I mean Pat had had two wide open looks before that and had missed him and then he gets Probably, let's see, out of one of six, I think he had two that were wide open. He had a couple of contests. Of course, he had the layup off his of steal early in the game. But once he got that clean first look to go down, and he actually had a three right before the technical foul, so I, was, I stand corrected. But before that happened, it seemed like it wasn't really – things weren't going right. And as Coach Forbes says, you look like a genius when shots go down because – at one point in time, they stopped calling plays and even motion, and the team, who has had a high basketball IQ this year, knew to get the ball, and the guy has a hot hand, and that's what makes this team special. He's the seventh leading scorer on the team, and he goes for 26. Think about that. Like, when you're game planning, and I know he set the career school record for single game threes at Western last year. Right. But he didn't. I don't even think he even scored the the first game. Or if he did, it was it was a non existent game for him. I'm sitting here thinking, there's no. I'm like, when you're trying to game plan, you game plan for everything. It's hard to game plan for the seventh or eighth guy, and the seventh guy throws twenty six points on the board. Oh for three zero points. No flusher. no point. So he goes from so he's not a guy particularly right now that you are trying to take out of the game. Do you know he's a shooter? Absolutely. Are you game plan against other people? Absolutely. And then he burns you. The rest of the game for the game winner. And that was, by the way,
3: the first of his six games where he had just three combined points and made just one field goal, that one-for-22 stretch before he has busted out in these last five games. Now, he did throw in the six against Sanford and the quiet day against Wofford as well. But outside of that, 14 against VMI, 13 against Furman, and then obviously the big 26-point day against Western Carolina. My mouth, as I mentioned, was just kind of open, wide, For that first three that he hit to cut it to four and then I damn near dislocated my jaw when he hit the second one after the turnover by Dotson on what was that an offensive foul with 131 to go and it it cuts it to one with good making yet another three it's 64 to 63 and just seeing how the game was unfolding then Faulkner turns it over after the good three and ETSU actually has a chance to take the lead with 107 to go Get the ball And Good actually Misses a couple of shots Which was a shock Coming down the stretch With how hot well, he, he, was. he airballed one
0: Which was kind of shocking okay. too
3: It's incredible how That goes from Shot to shot Like you're locked in And then all of a sudden Throw in just a Terrible attempt And you're right back at it The rest of the game, but Dotson misses two free throws Western truly did have things kind of unravel on them quickly with those couple of turnovers, the offensive foul, the missed free throws. But then McCray hits the three with 13 seconds left. And I'm like, unbelievably, this game is not done. For Western Carolina, right when it looked like they were going to take the victory with what a seven-point lead with 157 to go, and I think it was a 10-point lead with like 430 to go, and we'll talk about in segment three the win probabilities as they were. It was like 93 at one point for Western, then 88 at another point, and just icy. I mean, a bigger shot you cannot find coming down right after McRae hit that three, and it actually reminds me of. Uh, Was it Citadel two years ago Coming down the regular season stretch Where David Burrell had the big alley-oop To give ETSU the lead at home The Bucks were in a conference title race In the regular season Burrell off an inbounds play Just a massive throw down on an alley-oop And then Zane Najdawi comes down 20 seconds later with the building going crazy And on the road hits a three And I think, was that the first of the Three losses in four at the end of the season. The Citadel, yes. Where Nizdawi hit yeah. that three with, again, just ice in the veins. And speaking of full circle, that was, I think, Patrick Good's first year. He wasn't playing yet, but he had transferred back in and was sitting out with a red shirt uh, after the transfer rules coming over from Appalachian State. And so to see the shot go down for Citadel a couple of years earlier with Pat Good sitting on the bench. In a similar situation, I think, with ETSU having a momentum-changing play in that game with the David Burrell throwdown and then the Zane Dowie three, and that started the Bucs' downfall, really, in that regular season. And then to see it all come around, as so many things have come around, specifically in that game, uh, was unbelievable. I I could not believe my eyes. And I I was just muttering to myself, just, I can't, this is, I, I, uh I don't even know what to say, you know, in the moment. Uh, and it was one of the best games, I think, that I've seen at the collegiate level. Uh, certainly one of the best since I've been here at ETSU. Uh, and Coach Forbes shared some thoughts post-game. I did
1: a podcast this week, and a quote came up that, I, that my dad taught me a long time ago. And, and I think this is probably the definition of our team, is that, you know, there, there's a reason why the windshield on your car is bigger than your rearview mirror because what's out in front of you is more important than what's behind you. And I think if you can use that and correlate that to our players and how they think during a game, they just are never down. They're always looking ahead. They're always fighting. They're resilient.
3: The final stats for the regular season in 2020. Of course, there's the postseason coming up, but after all of these conference games during January and February, ETSU was plus 19 in the first half, plus 126 in the second half. In February alone, minus 10 in the first half, plus 107 in the second half. And once again, I thought that they had dug themselves too deep of a hole. And they just keep finding ways. Now, is it worrisome that this is a trend, certainly over 2020, and specifically lately in February, that the Bucks just don't play their best in the first half? Because right off the bat, I thought when it was 20-8, to game was over. You know, this is exactly what you and me were expecting going into the game. I think I said there was absolutely no chance that Western Carolina would win this game. Now, uh, incredibly, on the back of Patrick, Patrick Good, we ended up being right, but they were right on track for a blowout win. I thought it was going to be 20-25, and then Western makes the run. It's a six-point deficit at the half, and consistently they found a way. It just does make me wonder about March. Now that we're here in the postseason and the stakes raised, can you continue to win like this? It seems like every time you do, you get closer
0: to it biting you in the rear end. And every time you think this is the time it gets you. are right. It, it has it. You're it's, right. I'll say this, too. I'm a big stat guy. You're a big stat yeah. guy. I do a lot of analytical things and do. And there, there's some things analytics can't tell you. And there's certain times stats lie. And you look at almost every single one of the stats. Western out shot ETSU 53 to 38%. From three forty-two to thirty-one percent, free throw line. Bucks were better, but my goodness, Western Carolina shot fourteen more free throws, mm. made seven more free throws. Turnovers is the only one ETSU really won, and that was a big difference in the game. Then they doubled them up, only eleven ETSU turnovers to twenty-two turnovers. But ETSU only had six more points off turnovers. Bucks were out rebounded. Uh, they did get more offensive rebounds by six, but only led to three extra points points in the paint Western Carolina won which I thought would be a difference maker there so a, a lot of normal stats that you just look at and don't see score you go man Western Carolina won the game the other impressive thing and I think I said it in one of my last clips I think when Patrick gave ETSU the lead the can who topped this. Western Carolina was six for their last eight from the floor and ETSU was five of us last seven so it wasn't like Teams weren't still kind of locked in, and Dotson's not a great free throw shooter, right. and he did have a chance to ice and, and did, excuse me, and did not. But he still had a fairly good day at the free throw line for him at six and thirteen. That, that's still above or right at his average. So he was he was right at he missed his first three, and then missed his last three. So he was pretty good in the middle, but that means that it was a unbelievable display by Western Carolina who did hit shots in some big moments, including the McCray shot. After Steger had a pretty good look and didn't get it, the offensive rebound from the local kid, Halverson, he kicks it out. And McCray just cold eyes. And let's talk about this. If Faulkner stays, and I still think he does not because of all the new rules now, I think he will grad transfer if he graduates because he wanted to prove himself that he could be the guy. So he goes to Western, becomes the guy. He's got a shot legitimately to be a player of the year. He's going to be all league, no doubt. So the question is, does he think he can stay at Western Win, or does he live in a world like guys do? I'm going to go play at a bigger school and see what I can do. If he stays, and I think he should, you look at McCrae's is going to be a sophomore. Cork is going to be a sophomore. Harris is going to be a sophomore. Halverson's got another year. I mean, they've got a pretty good little core group. They do lose Dotson, but Cork has proven, at least against CTSU when given minutes to play, he had the career-high 16 points against CTSU. Now, he only had 14 Minutes, But he still had five points. So he's still effective in the time that he was Didn't miss from the play. floor, six rebounds, too. So, I, I mean, I think Western's on the uptick. I think they did a good job to fight tooth and nail and and not wilt. And, again, other than Dotson and the free throws, they still were able to come back and hit a three with 13 seconds to go and get an offensive rebound. So it really wasn't like they uh, just folded the tent and went home, right? When it started to go bad, they still managed to hit shots, but ETSU just sort of doing what they've done this year. It's incredible. One more from Coach Forbes.
1: We need to be in the conversation, Jay. I mean, that's just part of it. We're, our league's really good, so who knows what's going to happen? We have to win two more to, I think, to be in it. You know what I'm saying? To have a chance. I'm not saying we'll be in it, but to have a chance. And our, our kids know that, and um, they, they play. They play that way. Um, I don't know. It. You know, that's our second regular season championship in, in five years, and. I thought the turning point in the season for where we could believe we would win it is after losing to Furman and going to Greensboro and winning without Jerome in the very first game, I think that meant a lot to our team.
3: And that's Coach Forbes about turning point in the season, also about the at-large conversation. That was the bigger point that he was discussing. And you heard from him. He thinks that at this point, nothing is guaranteed. I've seen some bracketologists out there, and even we'll hear in segment three, uh, an expert, one of the main figureheads around college basketball media, say that they think that this is it, and that win sealed ETSU's fate as an at-large. I think that if they lose first round, second round, it would still be a bit too close for comfort. For ETSU fans, definitely for Coach Forbes, as you heard, but he's un- absolutely right. I mean, you got to be in the conversation, no question. And clearly, ETSU is now with what, 20, was that 27 or 28 wins? Now, 27 and 4, 16 and 2 in the conference, winning 9 in a row, only losing once at home, getting the win over LSU, obviously finishing strong, getting Jerome Rodriguez back, but he looked back to early January. When the Bucs were scuffling offensively, of course, got the win over Wofford. Then, at Furman, lost by nine, lose Jeromey Rodriguez and found a way at UNCG. Granted, not in a pretty game, but that was the Wes Miller throwing out for the two technicals late. And I still contend that that game was by no means decided in the favor of UNCG before the technicals. I still thought ETSU was a 70 or 80% favor to win that game, regardless of the technical fouls. But outside of Wes Miller's blow up, ETSU was still in pole position to get that victory, and it sparked them since. Only losing to Mercer in what was just a game that kind of jumped up and bit them, really unexplainable, just kind of happens in a long season. Outside of that, they've won every game since then. I'm not sure if you have a different point in the season where you think that it was clear, and I know you're kind of inside the pessimist, and you never want to say... Oh, this team's got it, no doubt. You're always trying to, I think, as any good member that covers a team does, looking for the flaws and looking for the areas where the team may fall. Of course, still cheering for the Bucs, as the voice of the Bucks, but uh, that seems like a, a good point of the season to point out if you're Coach Forbes because it showed ETS you overcoming adversity in a tough stretch of the year.
0: I, I think the loss at Furman to go back and win at Greensboro clearly kind of got things quickly instead of sort of like a couple years ago where it's like, Ugh, man, you lose a couple of those, you're behind the eight ball, and now you got to figure it out. I think the the Mercer loss at home certainly was a, a call that was like, hey, guys, like – and because ETSU had been so dominant at home and led like 94% of all minutes played going into that game and then to be thoroughly handled – and let's just be honest, they were handled in that game – Nice game plan, good execution, shot making, everything you can go into it, okay? And Mercer deserves all the credit in the world. But for ETSU to immediately come back and play, and again, Greensboro's been on the back end of two losses. They've been the get-right game. So, you know, and they beat UNCG. They were down, what, it was a 12 or 14 early, 17 early, whatever it was, and ETSU flipped script one by 17. I think they were down maybe 14 and one by 17. Then, you know, Chattanooga had a pretty good lead at halftime, came back and won that. Went to Mercer, did what they should do, controlled the big men, won. Citadel, Citadel, VMI, golly, gave him fits again, as they always seem to do. Then they come back, huge game against Furman. You know, Jordan Lines, first time in his career, in a four-year career, he fouls out of the game. Bucks win that one. Then they go to Sanford, in which they never play well, get a win, got a win at Wofford. Again, what, down 14 with about 14 to go. And then Western Carolina at home just keep coming back from behind. But if you look at it, down to Greensboro, down to Chat. Uh, I'm drawing a blank if they were down to Mercer, but uh, definitely down at VMI, uh, down at, a, at some point against Furman, down to Sanford, down to Wofford, down to Western. I mean, j- just Does come that behind, worry you like behind. it worries me? And I'm not I, trying to raid on the parade by any means. I mean, but. I, I think, I, no, and I think there, there's cause for concern. Can you live dangerously and how long? In the league, they've proved they can live dangerously and come back. And that's that's a testament to them. And I, I think Coach Forbes' comment, It is there is it really not. Like, there are teams you see panic mode. And it was a little bit of time mid-second half where a couple of shots did appear maybe panic mode. But very quickly, you know, a timeout was called. They ran some set things, even though the shots didn't go down. But it seemed like it sort of got everything calmed back down. And, and maybe the panic mode was, you know, you know Joe is a very level-headed guy. Definitely. I mean, he really is. But he threw a temper tantrum like my four-year-old would do. That that deserved a technical foul. That out of all the calls that were made in the game, whether you liked or did not like, that was probably the easiest call of the game. And of all the people to do it. And that exactly. was a shock that that to me. Was, and that's when I thought
3: that things. That's may the be. only
0: time I think because they missed a couple shots um, uh, right before the under eight, and coming out of the under eight, I think Pat finally got a three to go down. As I looked it up. Um, and I guess my memory was just everything past that. But there were a few shots from that, because it was about a three-minute scoring drought before Pat knocks down his first three. And there were good looks there. It didn't go down. But there were also a couple looks that were very, I think, forced that seemed a little bit out of character maybe. But in reality, they settled down. And and they self police That's the one thing that I do have a fr- firsthand view. If people don't pay attention during a timeout, especially at home, I sit right next to them. Right. And a lot of places I sit across, and I like sitting across from them better for the simple reason I get a better view of how people handle timeouts. But I am huge into body language and sort of how teams respond going into a timeout and how they look coming out of the timeout. And being across, I get a better view. Being at home, I get to hear what they say. So I hear the players talk to themselves. I hear guys try to pick each other up and say the right things. You know, Joe Hugo's one of the first guys that greets people, says the right thing, does everything supposed to. Patrick Good is not vocal a lot, but when he is, people listen. You know, when Isaiah Tisdale says something, you know, Trey Boyd's not much of a talker. Bo Hodges isn't much of a talker. You know, Lucas Casson I don't even think says a word unless you speak to him. I, mean, I don't even know if he speaks. And then you got guys like Rodriguez, who's a pump-up guy. Joe Hughley says a lot of things. You know, Patrick Good will say some stuff. Tisdale will say some things. So it's interesting to see how – they self-police and kind of do some things while the coaches are talking before they come into the huddle and and have their conversation that the guys are sort of talking to each other and working things out. I mean, it was one stretch where they lost Steger because somebody checked in. They didn't do a good job of who was picking up who. So they double teamed another shooter. Steger knocks down a three. And I remember Coach uh, Shea was yelling, on! on hey, you got to – figured out and wearing out Trey Boyd and then Goodyeals from across the court and was like, tapped his chest and was like, no, I, I told him, I didn't tell him I had that guy. Like, you told me to take that guy. I didn't tell Trey. Trey didn't know. That one's on me. Trey, you've got him. And Trey nods, okay. And they move about it, right? There wasn't a whole lot of conversation. Wasn't a whole lot of back and forth. It was, okay, that's what we're going to do. And they move on. And I think there's just every game I can point to a play where a role player did something. And this one... One of the biggest plays of the game was Jerome Rodriguez saving a ball from going out of bounds, but unlike most people underneath their own hoop who just try to find the closest jersey and end up turning over for an easy layup, he threw it as far as he could to the other end of the floor where nobody could score unless your team tracked it down. The team tracked it down. Good happened to miss a layup, but Trey Boyd following the play got an offensive rebound and put back. Something simple like that is what championship teams are made of. Joe Hughley, after he gets... The technical foul takes the charge to Dotson on the offensive foul, in which we were talking about earlier, which about a minute 30 to go, he took a foul. There were some tough calls in the game. There were a lot of travels. I mean, people have broken down the Jerome Rodriguez travel, zoomed in on it. it. That's not a travel in middle school basketball. Like, I don't know how that's a travel at the college level, but there were a lot of travels called. There were a lot of calls that weren't particularly great, and they weren't particularly great either way both teams although complaining played through it you know it didn't derail other than the brief moment of Joe Hughley going out-of-body experience into one of my twins and throwing a fit other than that everyone sort of stayed the course and was ready to go
3: great game unbelievable to me and I think that going to the Southern Conference Tournament now looking at the bracket and we knew it before but now that it's locked in and we can see you know the schedule lined up it's really hitting home how Dangerous this entire field is. We're going to talk a lot about that Wednesday. Um, just a game that I certainly will never forget, even though I wasn't there. Better believe I was having FOMO on the ride back, <laughs> hearing your broadcast and hearing the crowd. And we'll talk about Steve Forbes' reaction on Twitter and some of the stuff he said and others said about the atmosphere and all. But Buck Nation really showed up and really showed out. And Coach uh, Forbes and Pat Good and a number of others said after the game, like, you know, the fans never stop believing their energy fueled our energy and multiple times it looked like etsu was down and out from many of the points that we talked about throughout that second half from the 4:30 mark where they're down 10 to the two minute mark where they're down seven to the mccray three who we talked about on the show on friday you had to watch out for because i think he was double digits five four straight games and now he's five straight games after this one against etsu after he had really not done much the entire rest of the year and he came up in a big spot but no one
0: was bigger than patrick good on saturday yeah <laughs> he was plenty of good in that contest. ETSU wins regular season championship. They cut down the nets. We're going to talk about segment three, where it ranks in regular season games, all time in ETSU history. Before we do that, ETSU women's basketball on the road, an arch rival, the Chattanooga Mocks. We'll recap the game from the roundhouse. After this timeout. send a sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, We've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Brightridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Sandoz a sidekick back with you. Jay Sandoz, Mike Gallagher. Segment two here, ETSU Women's Basketball on the Road at Chattanooga. Not a triple overtime thriller, but still a thriller as well. ETSU got three ladies in double figures. That's usually been the magic for them to pick up a victory. Problem was, Chattanooga had four players in double figures and foul trouble again against Chattanooga. It seems to always be Chattanooga when the majority of the foul trouble happens. Happened again inside the roundhouse. Yeah, how about that? Shocking. 26
3: fouls. Was Rob in the game? No, Rob is not there. No, Fessler? Tim Bryant, Adrian Gilmore, Larry Mellinger. It's always
0: a Timmy, isn't it, somewhere?
3: (laughs) Timmy! You just hope it's anyone where you can add a Y to their name, clearly. That's fair. Uh, Big games for Micah Sheets and Elise Stafford, but yeah, you talked about it. 26 fouls. And that's the second time in two games this year the DTSU has been whistled for 26 fouls. And they only had 13 fouls of which they were the beneficiary. So twice as many fouls called against ETSU as there was against Chattanooga. Six for six from the free throw line, the box. He figure that would be a good omen, try and get back there, and I'm sure ETSU did, and we saw them try and do so and go down low and not get some calls that it looked like there was a lot of contact on. Micah Sheets and Shania Jackson were... Uh, forcing the issue and Elise Stafford as we mentioned had a great game good to see her bounce out of kind of a mini slump she's been a bit inconsistent since her really big three games from the beginning of February through that first week of February the first to the eighth where she was averaging 21 points per game and was doing a lot for the box seven rebounds per game too and she kind of fell into a lull but then back above 20 three of five from outside and she was fired up in that first half when she was starting to hit shots see them go down in front etsu's bench let out a big scream when she hit one of them and ended up having 21 points she's the nominee for the player of the month for etsu women's basketball because she went double figures five of the eight games but when you're fighting not only chattanooga but also tim bryan adrian gilmore and larry mellinger i mean 33 free throws for chattanooga so now it's I believe 59 free throws that Chattanooga shot in their two games against DTSU and the Bucks have shot like 27. So it's it's difficult, no question. And Chattanooga was shorthanded. You know, Paré Penny is out. She's in a boot, so she won't play for the remainder of the season. They played seven bodies, and Rona Wusiaba was one of those seven. She played only four minutes. So really, you got 22 bench minutes, and then the rest of the quote-unquote 200 minutes, it's 178 of them went to the starters, and They got good days from Ebony Williams and Bria Dial, Abby Cornelius, Lakeland Bolden. Game was a lot different, I think, than the first. Uh, It was pretty succinct offensively back and forth, but when it came down to it, you had Shania Jackson and Ty Kimbrough foul out just like they did in the first game. And ETSU was without Ariel Harvey for a non-injury-related issue. She's going to be back for the tournament. But the games, while they unfolded differently... And I think we're smoother on the offensive end through regulation. Uh, You also had personnel on ETSU's side that looked a lot like that first game. And once they got shorthanded down the stretch, because I think it was Jackson that fouled out with like three minutes left or something along those lines, you started to see that kind of same feel go about the rest of the game. Um, It's really when Chattanooga, I don't want to say took over by any means, uh, but with that last foul on Jackson, that is when Chattanooga pulled away a bit. And while ETSU had chances down the stretch, uh, once again, it was a good free throw shooting team in Chattanooga, hitting their free throws. Uh, Nikia Burks and Lakeland Bolden, fittingly for their two seniors, had the last four points to sealed the game.
0: I am not a fan of referees took a game away. I've said that many times on here. Just like ETSU Western, you, you battle through it, you do whatever you can. Try to go the North Dakota State game for men's basketball was one of those head-scratchers where even Coach Forbes said, uh, the guy. I asked him a question, the guy just laughed at me, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, well nothing. I mean, there's nothing he can do. It, and I'm not a, you know, I don't think fouls should be 18-18. Like, they have to be. I know people are like, well, if it's not exactly there, it's not even called a game. Well, no, teams foul more than other teams. Right. And there are teams that press versus teams that zone, and zone teams don't foul as much. So there are things that play into it. ETSU always is a bit more of a uh, high-pressure defense. They want to try to create turnovers. So more than likely, there'll be a few more fouls called depending on which style of team they play. ETSU may have a few more fouls called on them. That doesn't bother me. The thirty-three to six free throws does bother me somewhat, and again, I only listened to your call and some calls down the stretch where ETSU made some mistakes and fouls, and you, said, well, you know why are they fouling out there? And that thing that happens sometimes in high-pressure situations. But you were there. Did you feel like unfairly? called game, or did you feel like it was just one of those games where you just fouled more than the other team? I
3: actually thought in the first half, ETSU was the beneficiary of a couple 50-50 calls. Now, down the stretch, you look at the numbers and the game log and how things unfolded, and it is hard to argue that the three referees were not calling things one way. So you look at the Jackson foul that fouled her out after Ty Kimbrough fouled out. Uh, with five. You are not
0: happy with the Kimbrough foul, by the way. I don't know if you remember
3: no, that. You were not happy with that foul. I was not. With 5.20 to go, she fouls out. Then a minute later, Shania Jackson. And then Cornelius makes her two free throws. Then a little bit later, you've got more free throws. right? And you go to the 158 mark, two free throws. 50 seconds, two free throws. Uh, 50 seconds a third free throw because that was actually on a three and that was a big uh, turning point in the game because ETSU was tied 63 to 63 after Micah Sheets made a jump shot and give the Bucks credit because we talk about that Shania Jackson foul being kind of a a turning point. I think that was just the case because she's a big offensive threat, right? You still had Elise Stafford though and still had Micah Sheets and they continued to make shots and did hit some big shots down the stretch. But then Adams kind of undercuts Nakia Burks on a three. She makes two of the three free throws. And then ETSU forced to foul late on with Adams again, and Bolden goes to the line, and she just doesn't miss free throws usually. She actually did miss two that day, but made both in crunch time. So if it, the numbers are hard to argue against, but I did think that ETSU got the benefit of a couple of calls at least early.
0: See, and, and I'm all for like Fouls don't always match up too if you're down, but this was a situation where ETSU had to foul in some of those situations, which can skew the numbers to where a team shoots more free throws there. Like I said, I, I am... No, it, it's like I hate when you read and the only thing you read is, well, the refs won the game. Right. Like, I cannot stand that because there always happens at some point in time in the season where the calls are reversed and one team shoots a heck of a lot more free throws than the other team. Or they shoot more second half free throws. Or somebody fouls out. Like, for Furman, yes, Jordan Lyons fouled out for the first time. It, are you telling me that at some point in time in his career he's not got a benefit of a call and nobody fouling him out of a game? Sure, sure he does. So do all good players. So, do all league um, SOCON player of the year or any other league player of the year? They get credit because they've earned it over time. So, is it unfortunate when a guy like that fouls out? Like when Bo Hodges fouls out with like 12 and a half minutes to go at Mercer, you know? Some of that's on Bo Hodges. It's not only for Some of that's right. on Jordan Lyon. Both those fouls, the fifth fouls, I couldn't been like Sora I couldn't have be been more incredulous on both of them. What were they doing? You have four fouls. The baskets and the buckets that they f- picked up fifth fouls on meant nothing. Like, you have to have better IQ. So, I'm not a fan of that. I think it's tough anytime you open up a box score. And again, listen to the game, but sometimes I don't follow live stats as much. Some are going, oof, 33 to 6. That's, that seems a bit much. But again, I know the style of play ETSU plays, like style UNCG men's play. They're a great example because they pressure the ball so much. Yes they're going to get a few fouls called. But that's what makes them great defensively because they press you so much, they put pressure on a referees. Are you going to call a lot of fouls? Are you not? And if it's allowed to play a little more physical, it's right in the game. They get steals, they score. That's how they win games. To me, that's a perfect example of that. ETSU plays a pretty aggressive style. There are times where they have more fouls called on the other team and you're not going to hear me complain a lot. My complaint about the West Carolina game, even though they shot more free throws, wasn't even that. It was the fact there was a lot of travels and a lot of other calls that, that, that seemed to slow down the momentum of the game. And just It was like, to me, when you call travel, and yes, players get away with a lot more travel or a lot more carrying the ball or whatever you want to look at, switching pivot feeds, but when you start calling a lot of travels, then you have to continuously call travels, and they feel like some are made up at some point, rather than right, wrong, and different it just seems that way. And that's what seemed like happened in the game on the men's side. But for the women's side, it's just unfortunate because they're not deep. You get a couple people foul out and then the number of free throws just piled up on them. There's a couple
3: sides to this. And I think the first one is you look at Chattanooga stats throughout the entire year. Opponents have committed 80 more fouls throughout the year. They forced so more fouls, sure. Clearly, Chattanooga is a team that is not going to foul a ton, at least not as much as the opponent forces them into more mistakes that way. When they do foul, it's led to 42 less free throws for opponents, and Chattanooga is a very good free throw shooting team, and this is one of the things we talked about on the show Friday. What can you not do against Chattanooga? Foul. Because they struggle offensively, have struggled offensively, have been improved lately offensively, fourth in the league in league scoring during conference play, but overall throughout the year, they're at like 57 points per game, but they're a 74% free throw shooting team. That is the most free throws that they have shot, and the most free throws that they have made this season. And when you look at the first game, four weeks earlier, first day of February, last day of February, didn't seem like anything changed, right? A lot of fouls called against the Bucks, not a lot called against Chattanooga, lots of free throws. That's where, essentially, you lose the game. And if you're Brittany Azale, and you look back to the North Carolina a game, you remember that one, where there were 37 fouls called on ETSU, which is a ghastly, ungodly amount to think about. I mean, not even close. That's just on one team. Not even close to that many fouls have been called. I mean, there was only
0: 39 in the ETSU-Chattanooga game, period, and there was 37 on the board. Think about that.
3: And not even close to that amount have been called against CTSU in the previous eight years, and that's where the game-by-game runs out. So I wasn't able to go back and look at how far it does go. But it's very possible because there weren't even 30 fouls called against ETSU over the last eight-year period, let alone 37, that that's a program record. So I'm sure looking at the totality of everything throughout the year and things mounting, piling up, and losing games at the line when ETSU has, I'm sure Brittany Azell looks at that and says, this is absurd. They're all against us. Why does every refereeing crew that we have seem to do this kind of thing? That being said... I did think the DTSU got a couple of calls. I did think that there were some fouls that were avoidable specifically down the stretch, and that hurt the Bucs. And Chattanooga was over for their first 10 from outside, and then 2 for 18 on the game, and the Bucs were 9 for 14 from deep. They were shooting the ball exceptionally, but they really stopped taking a lot of threes after they got hot, and... and- I know that you don't want to live outside the arc, right? The percentages are going to catch up with you. But when you're that hot, it was frustrating not to see ETSU continue to go outside the arc. Uh, Lakeland Bolden's a great free throw shooter. Chattanooga shoots the ball really well from the free throw line. And while there's two sides to it, I think that I understand both of them. Where if you're Chattanooga, clearly this has been a trend that you've developed over the entire year. You don't follow as much as your opponent. And you, once in a while, will force your opponent into high numbers of fouls, which lead to free throws. For ETSU, that was the case this time around. But if you're on Brittany Zell's side, you probably see it the other way, right? And you look at how things have gone throughout the year, the fact that your numbers have dwindled, the fact that once again, in the same game, two players fouled out, two of the same three that fouled out in the first game, and essentially you do get beat at the line so uh frustrating no doubt but I thought this was a really solid contest from ETSU again Micah Sheets showing back up Elise Stafford showing back up and Shania Jackson having another good game those are the three that ETSU is going to need going forward in the tournament to be able to make a run in a wide open southern conference combining for 56 of the 65 points that ETSU had I was just a little disappointed to see that the Bucs didn't shoot more threes because they were so hot and there weren't heat checks and Call that either smart or call that too reserved. There's two sides of that argument well as well. But at least Stafford took five threes. Micah Sheets took six. Shania Jackson took two. And you made, what, eight of those? I mean, eight of the 13 for those, and then Jada Craig had the one for one. I almost would have liked to see more of that and seen a heat check or two just to see truly how much the Bucks were feeling it.
0: It... Uh... I was really hoping, for a lot of reasons, they won the game. Number one, of course, my hatred of Chattanooga always plays into effect there. but uh, Or my disdain, I guess I can say it a little nicer. But because the women's division is so crazy in the Southern Conference, I felt like if they could have got this road win. And still, clearly, I've seen all the results in the league. No, nobody should scare anybody in the league. But if ETSU, I think, could have got that one, a lot of momentum. Still would have been the 6 seed. Didn't really affect where they're seated. Um might have affected who I actually don't think it would affect who they played because they would have uh, oh yeah, I guess it would have because if I would have played they would have played. Chat again, played Chad again which would have been a great matchup. I agree. And then maybe UNC Genus Emmys, and then maybe Sanford Championship game, which again none of those teams really jump out at you as ooh, I don't want to play them. And I that's the thing that I think was disappointing. Some of the things that have happened last several games I think ETSU has made some good strides in. You know, clearly if they can get three players in double figures, it's gonna be good. If they can shoot, you know, forty four percent from the floor, and I don't know they're going to shoot 9 of 13 from 3 every game, but I think they will get to the free throw line more, which again, we've talked about. That's one of the strengths of the team.
3: Here's the other side of it. We have to remember that ETSU was top 5 in the nation during the non-conference season in free throw attempts and free throws made. They earned a lot of those fouls, no question. They were aggressive, they were going to the rim, they were creating contact, and they were on the front foot, and they earned a lot of those fouls. They made 68% of their free throws. The fouls that were called on ETSU leading to free throws for opponents. Opponents only made 58% of their free throws in the non-conference. There was a big disparity there, and I think there's an argument for things catching up to you in that regard of the game. ETSU was much better in terms of getting to the line and converting on their attempts in the non-conference than they have been in the conference. In fact, they've now been outshot at the line percentage-wise and in terms of attempts and makes by opponents during conference play. There's two sides to the coin And while ETSU, again, earned a lot of their trips to the line, nearly all of their trips to the line, I can't think of a lot of bad foul calls, really. Uh, Of course, now I'm biased, but uh, bad foul calls throughout the non conference season that got ETSU their free throws. But you go into the conference season, it just is difficult when you have the numbers that ETSU does and you're not gifted with a ton of traditional, true, consistent scores. Of course, Micah Sheets and come and go shania jackson and lee stafford have been kind of on and off and kaya upton's had a good game here or there but when you were shorthanded when you were without your main attacker erica haynes overton you still were doing the job of going and being aggressive and getting down low and getting opponents in foul trouble and making the most of those opportunities and the bucks have been good free throw shooters the entire year in fact the best free throw shooting team that they've had in eight years so they've lived the right way offensively But were you going to have opponents shoot 58% against you the entire year? You know, that number changing and opponents getting more free throws in the conference season. If you look over the entire year, I guess it doesn't surprise me a ton because it is a long season. And when things go your way in that aspect of a game, really more of a third-party subjective type uh, portion of the game, if you catch my meaning, with referees and fouls being so, you know, um, up to the person that's calling them's discretion, uh, it evening out, I don't want to say is fair or just But it seems to be An area that was going to do so At some point If you look over a 29 game season
0: And percentages tend to work themselves Correct. out <laughs> It happens one way or another I, The only other thing I, I would point to That was huge in this game Was ETSU did force 14 turnovers But they only got 10 points And that seems to be An area where if they put up you know, a one for one or better, they, the likelihood of winning clearly for them because they can get easy buckets out of that, right? You get a point off turnover. They had seven steals, so half of the turnovers were by steals, live ball, an opportunity to go score, and they got ten points off that. The first time they had a lot of point, more points off turnovers than actually forced turnovers, and so that was a big number in that one. and I think that's got to be a situation where they've got to continue to be good at that. They got to get to the free throw line more. Got to stop fouling. They can get points off turnovers. Again, they got a great shot in Nashville on a neutral floor. Terribly
3: tough matchup coming up against UNCG. No question. And we'll talk about that more on Wednesday. I still think this is an ETSU team that is playing some of their best basketball right now. And maybe it's because of opponent and Chattanooga is the only team of the top five that ETSU has lost games by single digits to everything else in their 0-for-8 stretch against Furman, uh, Wofford, Sanford. And chat or UNCG, I should say, have been by ten points or more. Some of those drastically worse, like the sixty-eight to thirty-four loss to Stanford. So maybe you can say it's because of opponent, but against Mercer, twenty-four points in the fourth quarter, and now sixty-five points in the game against Chattanooga on Saturday, eighty-nine points in the last five quarters. That's some of the best offensive ball that ETSU has put forth the entire season. So I don't think just because you lose the game, it's a momentum killer. The mood on the bus was good after players were talking about you know what they could have done. Better, but also feeling like they did some good things. And quite frankly, it came down to free throws, yes, and that part of the game, uh, but also seniors for UNCG making plays. And ETSU, if you look on their side with seniors, Ariel Harvey wasn't there. Jada Craig can only play like 10 to 15 minutes right now. And the other two seniors, and Anajay Stephanie and Tasia Murphy, are sitting on the sidelines because they've had injuries. That's an element of the game that's kind of out of their control as well. So those that did play and those that were out there, I think, put forth another solid effort. And I think this is a perfect time to go into the Southern Conference postseason. If there's been any time this year that I feel like the Bucs have been prepared for this, I think this is the time. And they're going to have to do some different things against UNCG than the first two games when they combined for only 92 points in the regular season. But that being said, if they can find a way to get their offense going, UNCG is not an explosive offensive team. And, again, we'll talk more about that Wednesday. But I don't think just because you lost the game, the momentum's dead.
0: Well, I guess we'll see. Yeah, well, that's that's right, right. That's right. Listen, Tom will tell Thursday. Now, the only thing I don't like, A, the last game of the day. I hate that. I yeah, ETS like men's basketball have done it like forever. I'm so happy they're the first game because they have a hard set time. You know when they play, it's not going to float. And especially women's basketball, they don't do the break in between sessions. So 545-ish could turn into exactly 545 because they won't start before that. Could turn into six thirty. Bold prediction. Three overtime games before ETSUs against
3: UNCG at five forty five. It's gonna be six forty five. I'm gonna to have to kill an hour of on air time. Bold prediction.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've got to talk. Oh, well, we gotta to talk to It'll be uh, fun. We gotta to talk to the XSM or flagships Hope you like the here. sound of my voice, right. ladies and
3: gentlemen, because it's gonna be a lot of Mike Gallagher on that broadcast. <sighs> can I talk for an hour unfettered? Yes. All right, I like that. I like the confidence. Yeah, you can. I knew there was a reason you hired me. Yeah, you can. All right.
0: Speaking of talking.
3: There's gonna be more yelling than talking. M- maybe think, aggressively
0: at one another. Yeah. Next segment. We haven't each hit issue? each other yet. On no, nope. we haven't come to blows yet. This may be I think I, I think I threw a water of piece of paper at you once, but you did, I, I, yeah. don't, I don't think that. Counts. i was
3: surprised you were the first one to create the physical. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so Supposed yeah. to be the older, more mature guy, and
0: whatever. Okay. <laughs> Everyone knows that's not true. Yeah, I even Steve Forbes said that on Twitter one day about me. Yeah. Not mature. Sorry. Not mature All right, we'll talk about the ETSU game versus West Carolina. Regular season, the meaning, how does it fit, in the overall scheme of things of the world. Just great arguments. Storied program. We will find This could out. be the biggest and best. <sighs> He's Mike Gallagher. Woo! We're back up this timeout. Send sidekick, Buccaneers Sports Network.
2: Life is all about perfect pairings. Sweet and salty, naughty and nice, hot and cold, Well, add instant and jackpot to the list because that's what you'll get when you add Quick Cash to your next Tennessee Cash play. Quick Cash is a simple way to turn one game into two. With Quick Cash, you'll have a chance to win up to $500 instantly right there at the register. Plus, you'll still have a chance to win the Tennessee Cash drawing later. Get the best of both worlds and get twice the fun. It's Quick Cash with Tennessee Cash. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly.
0: and the sidekick back with you segment three it is etsu men's basketball talk about the win against western carolina it started with a simple text from mike gallagher asking if this is the greatest regular season win of all time in point 1.3 tenths of a second it was shot back uh no and mike gallagher said top five i think i gave the shrug emoji and i've tried to research
2: there's no convincing you
0: I, well, I I'm, I try not to the exact moment something happens to proclaim greatest. I've tried not to. I didn't I'm proclaim. Not, I just asked. And it, when you came back well, so well, vehemently, well, no, 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 that's I, what I got. Well, fired at on. first, I think you didn't specify a regular season. I think you said greatest win, which you probably meant <laughs> regular season. I, and I took it as regular season, but you didn't say that at first. And my initial response was probably like, "You're out of your mind." Uh, I just, was negotiating. You right. start big in negotiations, right. then you Then you went, went top five, and then I kind of struggled. And then you're like, regular season. I'm like, okay, now we're talking. Because to me, to go to a tournament, to win postseason games, is always going to trump. Reg- it, it just Let's just ends, get it right? out there. Is that, that this is the is not main
3: reason that you cannot give this one of the greatest games of all time Because there was not enough on the line And the stakes are that much more raised in the postseason Whether it be conference tournament or NCAA tournament
0: yeah, Yes Okay. I, I mean, I, I think it's easy to say that Now, part of the other argument is A lot of people say regular season Well, you've beaten ranked opponents this is, And for me, it's West Carolina And granted, they're improved They're still the 15th and conference tournament You've beaten top 25 teams You've beaten named teams on the road Things of that nature I think the good argument part coming back from you is, but what was on the line there, right? Like, like time was and score, til- right. just
3: like in a game time and score, you have to know your situation. And I think looking at this situation, the stakes were set and they were very high and it was a situation that you can't often match. Right. And that's just by happenstance. It's by how you set yourself up. But the team was going for their regular season record and wins the outright Southern conference title to keep an at large alive and you had a guy that came down the stretch that's a local hero, someone that's known around the area. When he came back, everyone was fired up. He's had his ups and downs. He's matured. He says all the right things. He's a good kid, and he was the guy that did it for his hometown. There were so many things at play, and to be on the verge, and the way it unfolded, by the way, obviously, down 10 with 430 to go, down 7 with 157 to go, the way it unfolded, the drama, the intrigue, and all of the things that we just talked about being on the line, I don't think you can blame me in the moment for saying, wow, this is truly a one of a kind opportunity chance and happening for ETSU men's basketball. But you and me talked off air, and I was very impressed with the list that you've come up with that says there are some well, other just, contenders. Right, right because to I'm just us.
0: It's one of those things too. It's like, you know, greatest of all time players. There, there's so many different games basketball's changed conferences have changed I mean just three points I mean Tom Chilton played without a three-point line and doing this research he's still the all-time single season OVC leader in scoring with 32 points a game without a three-point line wow and still leads to this day UTSU haven't played in the league in 78 79 whatever And, and
3: what we talked about when we were going over how we were going to discuss this is I was like, basically I'm the guy that you have always thought that I am, that I'm the LeBron over Jordan guy. I'm the new school guy. I'm the whatever is the fresh thing of the moment. This is how you portray me. I'm not saying it's how I am, but there is is an element that is true about that. It's not always the case, but here and there, and I definitely am on that bandwagon now, just like I am when you and me get in LeBron Jordan arguments.
0: All right, so let's go over – just a few victims sure. that, that ETSU has beaten in the regular season. Because I've this, got counterpoints this, for all this. this by the this, way, this is in random order, not my tops, but in random order. ETSU is knocked off Xavier on the road, Dayton, Georgia Tech, Arkansas, Mississippi State twice, Georgia, most recently LSU. Now eighty two eighty three, the same year, one on the road. Now this was a very good Barry Dow team, twenty two and nine, twelve and four. Got beat in the championship game, so I had to go to the NIT play Vanderbilt won at Ole Miss, at South Carolina, at California in the same year. In 88, no, no, 89-90 that year, ETSU goes to NC State, ranked 15th in the country. This is before Les crossed the picket line and went to NC State. ETSU wins by double digits. Unranked team goes in there, puts themselves on the map. They go on that year to beat Tennessee Wake Forest. The next year is maybe the most impressive collective wins they had in a single season. They start year by winning at BYU versus Sean Bradley. They win at Cincinnati which gets them ranked nationally for the first time which I put that on there because it gets them nationally ranked for the first time. They continue right after they get ranked they rattle off wins against NC State a second win against George Mason in the same year at George Mason at NC State. No actually I'm sorry that game was at home NC State and then they win at Memphis or Memphis State as it was back in the time. Also, 12,240 people were in attendance of that NC State game, which got the Bucs ranked to top 10 in the year. So the first ever ranking for ETSU, I think the importance of that is certainly uh, needs to be noteworthy. Another game that I think needs to be noteworthy is the first year and a game that I actually wasn't there for because I was in Iraq at the time. 2003-4 was the first invention of the Bracket Busters by ESPN. And this is before the watered-down version where you signed up early and like, I don't know, 100 teams were technically in it, and then maybe the top four games were televised. Everybody else, they just put regional games, and you'd play Radford or something. It didn't matter. But ETSU was one of the top eight teams, and you had to leave... This is what was important. You had to leave a game open. So some people left the game open and just were a game short. ETSU was able to get a game against Fresno State on national television, had to fly out to Fresno, California. Actually, I think flew to Sacramento bus three hours, wasn't on the trip again, but nationally televised, and the whole theme of that was... If you win the game in front of the national televised audience, that that was going to help you in the at-large conversation, which ETSU did win. It did keep them in the at-large conversation, but ETSU won the conference tournament that year. But that win, similar to this one, except this one wasn't on national television and wasn't a part of an ESPN-driven sort of mythical bracket buster game. That's the first one. And I'm only going to pose a couple to you because I'm going to rattle off and otherwise we'd be here an hour. <laughs> so I'm trying to keep this under an hour. The first one I'm going to pose to you – actually, I've got three. The first one I'm going to pose to you is beating number 15 NC State, right? Unranking. This was the year that the Bucks first went to the tournament, almost beat Oklahoma, right? Jennings fouls out with about 50 seconds to go and the mythical foul. Bucks have the ball with a chance to be the first 16 seed ever to win. But that – is moot. We're not talking about that's that. It's moot. We're talking about NC State on the road. This is what most people say is the defining win of the mystery years. It really got everything going for four years. Go. What time of year was that game? Well, clearly a non-conference game was in December. Well, that's not true
3: because the Fresno State Bracket busters non-conference. That was late February. But that game, the NC State game, was in November, December?
0: No, it was December. It, it was December. December 89. December.
3: I didn't write the de- I wrote down December eighty nine, and that's about so. three months from March Madness or anything of consequence in terms of extending your season. And to use your own point against you, March is that much more important. Tournaments are that much more important. The stakes are more raised to be able to get to those games. You did not need the win over NC State, correct? Because there was no at large that was at stake. Because ETSU's never had an at large. The Southern Conference has never had an at large. And it was a great win. In retrospect, and looking back at what that led to, as you said, tone setting, getting ETSU on the map, obviously the kickoff of probably the greatest era in ETSU men's basketball history. All those things, undoubtedly true. To me, the one game cannot stand on its own because there was not anything on the line in terms of getting to the most important time of year, to use your own words, the time of year that trumps all others, the time of year where you can truly be on the map, and there is that much more that you can accomplish. So because it was in December, it's a good one, no doubt, but I
0: don't think that it compares with this one. So the second one I'm going to go with is the February 21st, Saturday, National TV, again, ESPN created, only allowed eight teams. There were four games that were nationally televised. I still think this is a great idea. I don't know. Why did they go away from it? Do we know? Well, because it was so hard because if teams didn't get in, they lost the game off the schedule, number one. Hmm. That was the big thing. Then they decided, well, let's just let more teams play in it, and then we'll just decide who are the biggest games and do true cross-sectional games. And then if you're not in it, then we'll just figure out who's not in your league closest to you. And then you play a random game that doesn't matter. And then they let like a hundred teams in and it just, mm. it lost. If it could have kept the, if NCAA, which won't, but if it would have gave a waiver and said, Hey, if there's eight, I don't care, 10, 16 bubble teams. And I like we though. will give I like you, eight. Oh, I do too, because it meant a lot. And Easton, and if you go back and and I'd have to go back and research who all the teams were, but it was sort of a who's who, and this was not a Fresno State team that nobody had heard of. I mean, this was clearly a team back then. And then. Actually, and the genius part of it was the next year you got a home game out of it, and Fresno State had to fly to Johnson City, and they repaid the favor with a big win uh, inside the, the mini-dome that year. So we'd have to go back and look at who the original games were. But that did keep At-Large alive. It was the 15th win in a row in the next – week they won at Chattanooga, which wrapped or won at home against Chattanooga, which wrapped up the conference championships. They go non conference, big win there, fly back and a couple days later, right? Fly back all day Sunday and on Tuesday play your arch rival Chattanooga that wraps up the regular season championship. Again, O three, O four we're talking about. So Fresno State, National televised, all the who's who of college basketball folks are watching. There wasn't a whole lot of games. I mean ESPN put this on in a display all day, mothership, everything you can talk about, and they were able to win that one, Sixty six, sixty two.
3: This, to me, is a very intriguing one, because I was just a tyke when this all was going on, and I did not even remember the Bracket Buster series, which I now have fallen deeply in love with over the last two hours we've talked about it, as a person that rapidly reacts to things and overreacts sure. to them has.
0: It's the greatest thing you've ever heard now. I cannot believe
3: match. that it is not still a thing. And I think it is a crime and injustice to sports humanity. The fact that you win that game and go on to be Chattanooga at home. Now, the one letdown you lose to Charleston on the road that February 28th. But considering the large audience, considering just the ideation that ESPN came up with and putting us up against Fresno State on national TV and that being – Meaning a lot at that point. Being a bit of a springboard to March, uh, fantastic. Uh, Love the concept and love the idea. Uh, Do not know the specific details of that game, but it was a close game, very exciting game, national TV. I think it's a bit odd having that non-conference game as late as it was. That's what makes it great, but that's also what I think takes away from some of the importance of it in terms of conference and, again, the ultimate thing that does get you to March. Because the Bucks again did not need an at-large. You and me talked about it. Would they have gotten but, an at-large? But, but, but Boy, again, it would have been
0: close well, because no, they no, would have so, been
3: twenty-six and six if they lost in. They the were get just like this
0: team. They were getting team. They were getting votes in the top twenty-five. Right. So here's the argument. Would have been close. You, you've looked back at it and said, well, they didn't need it because they won. But the argument is in the regular season. You don't know True. that they were going to win the conference tournament. True. So if we're just going regular season, True. To me, it kept it alive. It it took not it, it wasn't clear for conference championship they were 15 and 1 so it was not like to need a lot of help there either 27 6 all things sort of similar to this year's team the signature win for this year's team was lsu the signature win here was espn creating something specifically for a national audience to a committee true to try to state your case with you went on the court you will get a little bit extra help now Nobody knows if you would or wouldn't because ETSU won. But at the time, for a regular season, you don't know that.
3: And to argue for you for a second, because I am someone very fair and balanced that likes to go across the aisle and see things other people's way, as you know very much and you've said about me many times, Never. this was a situation where you're going into a stretch like ETSU is. You know, you had one more a week, but you didn't know. And with this team right now, ETSU, you don't know. You don't know if they're going to need the at-large or not. So does ETSU winning the conference title, if that does indeed happen this year, take away from this win? I don't think it does because the game stands on its own. I think that because you got the Southern Conference championship and you did not eventually need that Fresno State win in order to get into the tournament, it does. There were storylines enough wrapped up in this one game, with it being Patrick Good, regular season record record, at-large right now, but even take out the at-large, you've still got the records that ETSU got and the local hero, Patrick Good, doing what he did in front of the home crowd. Keep in mind, this was a home game in front of the home crowd. Adds to the atmosphere, adds to the mystique where ETSU was on the road at Fresno State. I still think that while this game could be 1A for me, number one
0: is Saturday. Then I'm going to present to the committee of Mike Gallagher only and by the way, we'd love I to love some, being we the would love to have some Twitter conversation on this. Please tweet in response to the show oh, about this. if you like. Lo- I would love to hear other people's thoughts on this. And, and it's, it's too much to tweet all of our things here and the reasoning why, because I think you have to have reasoning why. But yeah. tweet us your thoughts, your games, whatever. Here's the one, last one I'll pose to you.
3: And I've got about seven testimonials from people that have been around the game and were at the game on Saturday to
0: back up my point after you're done with this. Okay. And, so then, and then I may I – may... I'm guessing you'll have something to come back Maybe. I, I may agree. I <laughs> may not. I'm going to go back to the great year, 19 of 68. I wow. know you're around. The, of course, we weren't. One of the better years. 1967-68, one of the better teams uh, for Madison Brooks, who you call all the games in right now. So, number one, we're dealing with a legendary coach. Awesome. The OVC co-champions, ETSU, Murray State, both 10-4. and 4. No postseason tournament. Mm. OVC is like Major League Baseball. We don't go to a tiebreaker. You two figure Ooh. out where to play. You play the game. Winner goes to the tournament. It is not a postseason game because it doesn't stand in the postseason record books. There's no postseason record of it in the OVC. ETSU does not count it as a postseason. It is counted as a regular season for both. It is a one-game elimination. Winner goes to the big dance. Loser does it. Now, because we're not allowing the what happened... I will say that was a team that went to the Sweet 16. And would you don't win the, that game. Obviously, there's no Sweet 16 sure. in your history. I will say Bucks won 79-75, mm. a couple of free throws late to ice the game by Harley Skeeter Swift, one of the all-time great players, it. to go with Tommy Woods, Mike Kretzer, who still comes. Mike Kretzer, let me say this, who, who played on the late 60s team, along with Ernie Sims and some other greats, he drove down for the Furman game from New Jersey. 11 and a half hours got up 5 in the morning drove 11 and a half hours watched the game woke up at 5 in the morning drove back home to New Jersey what a legend that's where my guy Mike Kretzer what a legend at. let me give a uh, shout out to him because but, of Mike Kretzer I almost want to vote for this just right now without even having an argument that's, he, that's impressive done. so 1967-68 and, and the conundrum is I've had to do a lot of research because Major League Baseball calls it Game 163, sure. That, that's the best example I can use. Sure. If two teams are tied, they don't they don't care that somebody was 12 and five versus somebody during the regular season. They say if your record is tied after 162, you go play a game. It is not a postseason game, and the winner counts on a regular season record, and then they advance to the postseason. I say the same thing happened here in the OVC in 1967, 68. Now I would I would say in your defense of this, if I would have found that this counted as a postseason game. By the conference and by ETSU, I would say, okay, I would DQ it myself. Neither one did. The only example I can go to, because everybody has a conference tournament now, so there's no rules on this, and you can't go back and find a – trust me, I tried. I can't find a 1967-68 OVC book of tiebreakers or non-tiebreakers or this one-game elimination game. Even you haven't been around the league in ETSU no. that long. Yet. Well, and I, and different OV, league, OVC, OVC, to be fair. I was going to say, OVC, my Maybe you were is on the OVC. Good. I don't know. Uh, let's just say – that being said, the one game, mm. wow. still regular season, to go to the tournament. There is no conference tournament. This is your do or die. Ugh. And you win 79-75 with a couple free throws late to ice the game with all that riding on the line by one of your great players, the late Harley Skeeter Swift. Go, Mike Gallagher. I'm going to sit back and cross my legs here. Go. You make some good points. I almost would
3: argue that this is in a category by itself.
0: But I don't and know if honestly I, probably. Is. But
3: I don't know if I can do that because we are saying regular season games, and despite the format and how you get to the tournament and all of the different intricacies that there were back then differing from what there are now, it's hard to disqualify it simply because I think when you look objectively, it's not the postseason because there was no postseason until the NCAA tournament. It's not the regular season, but technically it is the regular season because you're trying to decide the regular season champion. You're deciding the regular season champion, so how do you do that without it being a regular season game? I can see this one both ways. I will say I think this is the most compelling argument you've made so far. Especially considering, and I, I know we're trying not to look at right. what happened. At the not end supposed of to. But, I mean, that's a pretty significant happening. And knowing that it came down to those final seconds and one of your greats hit those free throws, I mean, that is ultimate clutch. And we thought Patrick Good was clutch on Saturday, and he was. But can you imagine the pressure knowing that it is literally do or die? And you probably have the belief as a player in your mind that, hey, if we win this, man, there's no stopping us. Like, we're going a long way. Right, You know how much is on your shoulders And to clutch up and do that And to just have the scenario What it was uh, Very compelling I'm not going to make a choice I do want to present all right, let's share what you My got. arguments Firstly, and these are all witnesses, testimonials People that have been around basketball People that were at the game Saturday I've compiled what I believe to be One of the deepest And most impressive if I may pat myself on the back which obviously you know me being me I will arguments to support an argument that I'm making probably across all of podcasting history firstly Mm -hmm. Steve Forbes knows a little bit about basketball fair
0: he's not bossed at all go ahead
3: well, I'm just saying. He's been in a lot of buildings. He's been biased towards okay. a lot of his programs. Right. Okay. Right? He's, right? His job, yes, is to support the programs he's at. But he's been Are you going to quote
0: Pat Good next? or <laughs> lot,
3: well, Maybe. I might do that, too. He's been in a lot of buildings. He's been a lot of places. He has supported a lot of programs prior to the one okay. that he's at currently. He's been around the game a long time. All right. His quote, on Twitter, you can find it, at Forbes ETSU Hoops. Someone that has a pretty good knowledge of basketball. The past 31 years I've coached in some of the loudest venues in all of college basketball. Today, Freedom Hall stands with them all. The last four minutes of the game were as loud as any place I've ever coached. Our loyal fan base helped will our team to the SoCon Championship. Are you calling Steve Forbes a liar? Go ahead.
0: Call him a liar on air because he listens my to the show. My, he is an honest my and trustworthy question, man. My question is, what does that have to do with the regular season where the, the game stands? Well, I, I'm, hold on now. I'm taking into I mean, account everything. Okay, well, Fresno State was on the road, so the Bucks did it on the road. The ETSU Murray State was on the road. What makes it, it more special is it being at home. Well, That's saying, what makes well, it more special. I think to road dog it. In your own
3: building. Cut down ah. your nets in your own building. That is so, undoubtedly more special. Well,
0: see, this is where me and Randy Sanders agree that there's something wrong with our personalities. Because I want... Six thousand fans to leave sick to their stomach and drive home with us celebrating on the and cut down floor. the nuts in front of oh, nobody. Absolutely, oh, just the dagger of I'll, I'll use a b- recent okay. example. I'll use oh, sorry, a, I'll ahead.
3: use a recent example. ETSU technically won the conference title on the road at
0: Mercer in football. Correct. Well, you won don't a whole
3: lot of celebration there. I mean, that was not, you could, whoa, whoa, whoa. a whisper no, in the wind. No,
0: no, nobody's allowed to tear down another team's goalpost. And nor would anybody do that. That's a bad example. Because I'm not saying... But, oh, okay. Teams You're using ba- a
3: very literal comparison.
0: Okay, what oh, yeah, I'm saying is... I'm saying when, when you cut down a net, you literally... Get on a ladder we well, are not tearing down the goal post You're on. not tearing down the well, well, But there's, the nothing, there's nothing there That's the same Take the pad There's you undo the yeah, pad Yeah but there's, there's nothing that there That's the same Like <laughs> you steal the pile on I mean what What do you do Like football doesn't have Any comparison Like baseball Do you do you dog pile on Somebody I just else's hope field you, I just hope you know Well yes I just I, hope you know see, There
3: you go Well but that, again That's not the same at all I just hope you know That the fans are going to Side with me on this Because they were okay. there Alright go ahead You know go that Go ahead PJ from WCYB Old Johnson Yeah He's been around the game, around the area, around ETSU Hoops for a long time. In response to C-Forbes Sweet, been watching Buck Hoops since 1975. Last night's finish stands alone. So that brings into my argument the drama aspect of it. Probably the most dramatic finish, according to PJ, in 45 years of ETSU basketball. That is a pretty heavy statement. Is it not? But he wasn't here from 6'7 to 6'8, go. (laughs) Well, very few of us were Afton McHugh. At Race and Nut 1. Now, okay, I'm going a little bit off the beaten path here. This is a man, though, I that was that at the game, and he is bringing in history to it. At Race and Nut 1 on Twitter. I was there in 92 in Atlanta when ETSU men's basketball beat Arizona. Through thick and thin, I've seen success. I've seen heartbreak. What Forbes ETSU hoops, adding Coach Forbes, the players, the fans, what everyone did last night, I'll never forget. Hashtag ETSU tough. So that places it right up there. With the with win a, in the Omni. With a lot of the great moments, okay. because I think a lot of people would agree, 92 in Atlanta top three moment at the worst
0: if if not the best it's definitely top three
3: moving on at moffitt lawrence chip at moffitt lawrence on twitter one of our best teams if not the best ever in response to forbes congratulating all the seniors and this ets men's basketball team for what they've done so again another aspect of the argument right just forming a case on all the points that i've made that this is one of the best teams if not the best team according to Moffat Lawrence. And when you've got a team that is at the caliber that is capable of doing the things, you have to instantly think of the great moments that those great teams have had, this being one of them, and this to this point in the season, the best that they've had. An at-large possibility. Another point I've made, here's a recognizable name. Seth Davis.
0: I think they're fairly comfortably
2: uh, in a a position to get an at-large bid. There are going to be a lot of bubble teams with an 11-point win at LSU. They've Uh, lost four games all year. They're 41st in the net. Again, I'll predict if they lose in that tournament, they're going to the tournament, and they will not even be in the first four. They'll be in the main bracket.
3: Well, I hope you're right. So do I, Clark Kellogg. Well, Clark was very down. I'm glad you played Clark. Seth Davis knows his stuff, and that is to build the case of if – ETSU would have lost that game to Western Carolina. Would those same comments be made? Of course not. Well, no. Exactly. No. That just shows how big of a win that was that a guy like Seth Davis still saying that and now saying that regardless of what happens, ETSU should be an at-large. Would not be the case without that win and that which, comeback.
0: Which is the same in 03 04 if they didn't be president of state. Yep, they ended up winning the tournament. Anyway.
3: Well, hey. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Kevin Brown. Friend of
0: yours? Yeah. Friend of mine. I mean, he—he. ETSU basketball maven. He—he is never in the moment. Go ahead. (laughs) Never.
3: Pretty cool looking at the win probability chart for yesterday's ETSU men's basketball win over charts. Western Carolina. Western Carolina had a 93% chance to win at 57 to 47. That was with 430 left that we talked about. Then 88.4% chance to win at 64 57. That was at the 157 mark. We also talked about that. But the final with ETSU being 100% shows why you always play until the end and why their hashtag ETSU tough. The drama aspect, the comeback aspect, the word down and out, and even the computer numbers say it's over. There goes our at-large. There goes our program record, 27th regular season win. There goes the cutting down the nets in your own gym with fans cheering all around you, Pat Good doing laps. 93% chance none of that happened, and ETSU still did it.
0: Drama. I feel like that's a lot, and the the charts really, I started to fall in love with them during football. It's like a lie detector with this one. It's just up and down, up and down, you're lying. There's a couple of things that have happened that, that I've been able to broadcast. The 2013... Uh, baseball team went to the tournament they came from behind and literally every game last at bat go to the of September first time since the 80's it was one of those like man like every time you thought like okay this is I mean even Kevin Phillips I remember the first game I got it going they pinch it the freshman Kevin Phillips hit like 182 and he hammers one That the ballpark gave up three home runs the entire conference tournament and he gets one of them down the line to tie the game go to extra games win the game Football last year was one of those things, same thing. You know, you're sitting there watching Probability and West Carolina's up 15 with, you know, four minutes to go and Furman's up 20-something and you you see all that. Uh, Like, I fell in love with the charts because I've, you know, all those improbable things. But what the team is able to do and where they've turned me to where, and you probably know, I pretty much think if if they're up seven with a minute to go, we're going to figure out a way to lose. Like, like, like I, I've just me being me and the type of person I am. That being said, they were down, I think, 16 to Mercer with like 30 seconds ago, and I still convinced myself they're going to win. Like, it's amazing to me how this team has been able to not just convince me, but nobody left the building. Like, sometimes a four minutes to go, double-digit game, you look up. People are headed for the exits, as you know. I make fun of them all the time. You do when we do it to teams on the road. Where are you going? So, plenty of game left, and that's my point. Because things happen, crazy things happen. I've seen ETSU lose games like that. I've seen ETSU win games like that. Luckily, this year it's been a lot of win games like that. So I, I think it's incredible to see just the faith in one another, and for the fan base, I do agree, with Coach Forbes, because nobody left. I mean, and the noise they made on Dotson's last free throws, I think, affected him, you know, the blood pressure for him. Oh, yeah. And he missed both of them where he had hit like six of eight at one time. So, I I thoroughly believe the fans make a difference, the atmosphere, the energy, and all that. You got some more? So, finally, I think I built up the argument regarding
3: the record with 27 regular season wins, the fact that it was for the outright title, cut down your nets in your own gym, keeping it at large live local hero Patrick Good we heard in the sound bites in segment 1 the drama aspect i think i've done a pretty good job appealing to is there a butt coming the largest i think win in etsu's regular season history and even brought in experts on the situation like pj from wcyb and head coach steve forbes amongst others and now i appeal to the emotional side to really hammer it home aaron heaton you know Aaron? He almost got kicked out of the game. He's at almost he every almost got kicked ETSU out of the event. I almost got kicked out of the ETSU men's basketball game for literally yelling, that's a foul. Aaron Heaton doesn't get, almost get kicked out of games. Aaron Heaton was in the heat of the moment. He almost got kicked out of the game. The heart was there. The emotion was there. The pride and determination was there. The dedication was there from the Buck supporters in that building. An electric atmosphere unlike any other. And finally, Colin Brooks has a picture of Steve Forbes hugging Patrick Good at B. Colin Brooks on Twitter. And there are clearly tears coming down the face of Steve Forbes. Steve Forbes cried. And Steve Forbes is not a crier. He is not. And this game brought him to tears. How do you know he's not a crier? Educated guess. Okay. Uneducated guess. I, you know, and in fairness, I, I don't think he is either. Um, Aaron Heaton almost got kicked out, and Steve Forbes cried. Can you think of another situation in which both of those things would happen? The heart in the building that night. Well, the easiest
0: thing unlike. is there getting kicked out of the Well, fair game, enough. But, but the we'll heart see. in
3: that building, unlike to me, many times in ETSU men's
0: basketball uh, history. Though I, w- I think
3: you have made a very compelling point for at least two more too. games.
0: Let me just say this. I, I do think sometimes, sort of like the going back to a very simple argument with um, – and it reminds me of Austin Heron at the end of the Furman game, right? It's what that reminds me of in football.
3: Is uh, that not the greatest comeback in ETSU football history? Oh yeah, statistically oh, it is. Oh, it's, oh you're all on board that one. Do you don't want to give this one the number? But one. you okay, did give yeah, that I the greatest said, win okay. in the
0: history of everything. So I do think sometimes people do don't just live in the moment. Like right now, we should live in the moment on the special team, the special year. No, you don't. The want Special to. that. And then next year, maybe we can talk about legitimately where We will.
3: Stands. We will. Thank you to PJ right. from WCYB, Steve Forbes, Seth Davis, Kevin Brown, Aaron Heaton. Steve Forbes again for shedding a tear I because think it was that special to him. Chip Moffat and racing nut one. I I, I pretty much think because you got to talk last year one. That's
0: okay, though. Let's talk both predictions after this yes. time out. Santa's victory! Victory!
3: An inside look at Buccaneer basketball is back this winter with the ETSU Radio Coaches Show. Monday nights all season long, Steve Forbes and Brittany Azell join Voice of the Bucks Jay Sandoz live from Wild Wing Cafe at 71 Wilson Avenue in downtown Johnson City. It's a 6 o'clock start as Forbes and Azelle field your questions, reflect on results, and preview upcoming action. The ETSU Radio Coaches Show every Wednesday at 6 right here on WXSM AM 640, The Sports Monster. <phone rings> Everyone in the stadium and across the NFL
1: world is aware that quarterback Andrew Luck decided to retire.
2: Antonio Brown ditches practice again after another issue with his helmet. There is a code that has been broken here with Antonio Brown. He's just not a good human. Unless you've been living under a rock, you guys all know that the AAF is folded. Wide receiver Josh Gordon has been reinstated and is now eligible to return to New England.
3: The great Bill Belichick keeps giving Gordon chances. Tennessee head coach Rick Barnes told reporters flat out, if UCLA had paid his buyout, he probably would be at UCLA now instead of
0: at Tennessee. What you just said. Is one of the most insanely idiotic things I
2: have ever
0: heard. Well, of course, because a simple wrong would have done just fine. I won two and you're only giving credit for one. You have clearly two and one. Two and one.
3: I have sixteen correct entering the set of bold predictions. You had eighteen. My correct bold prediction. Mike is Sheets back above twenty. He is the smartest man in the universe. Twenty-one points for the first time in over two months. I said twenty or more. Victory for me. Chattanooga over U N C G for you.
0: Boom.
1: I am the smartest man
3: alive! Well done. That breaks a streak of like five weeks in which you haven't gotten something right. So you keep pace with me or continue to have your lead, shall we say, up 19-17. to You and me both wanted to pick Nevada over San Diego State. It eventually came to me because I gave you the seniors would have 50 or more on Senior Day. Seniors did not have 50 or more on Senior Day for each Men's Basketball. I then took the non-seniors to have 50 or more. They had 45. I got really close thanks to Patrick Good to that bold prediction being correct. But both of us wrong in our ETSU men's basketball predictions of 50 or more for the seniors for Jay. Me, 50 or more for the non-seniors. As it turned out, you're happy you didn't get that Nevada game against San Diego State because Nevada ended up losing by 7. You did say that Virginia would win over Duke, but after a clarification off-air, we agreed... And and don't sure, game, I, I don't remember agreeing. I bet know. you don't, know, yeah. We agreed that if no Duke tape. was not more than a five-point favorite, then the bowl prediction would be null and void. You had to pick a backup game. It was Drake over UNI. That was Duke, brutal. Ba- Duke, by the way, it was brutal. a three-and-a-half-point favorite. So while Virginia won, and Duke's now down to the four line in some brackets, that nixed for Jay Santos because it wasn't a big enough upset in bowl predictions. Drake got decimated by UNI 70-43. to 43. Unfortunate 70. Jay Santos.
0: 70, blame 40. Vegas.
3: Now, blame Vegas. I mean, uh, if it would have been a
0: five point spread on that game. I don't want to bring it up, but ETSU 29th in the latest AP poll. 29th. Just came out right this second. How many votes? And
3: 29. who are they behind?
0: 31, they're behind. Stephen F. Austin, UCLA, Ooh. Butler. Michigan is 25th. Michigan has 94 votes, ETSU with 31.
3: I have 17 bold predictions correct. You have 19. We'll do a bold predictions on Wednesday because we won't have a show on Friday because of the SoCon tournament being in full effect. It's still coming down right to the wire in bold predictions just like it did last year. I say maybe bold predictions is we predict the bracket on each side Wednesday. Ooh. And for each game you get right, you get a point.
0: Good deal. And then you'll forget that the overall winner gets a point like it did in the in uh, the <laughs>
3: You'll have to go back and cut
1: it out.
0: All right. Don't forget to add us. Your favorite ETSU regular season basketball game. Say no sidekick. See you Wednesday.
2: Watch now. Buccaneers Sports Network. See ya.